0: elite can help you do the same enrollment is open as of monday november 27th and it closes december 8th learn more at com slash elite all right um let's say welcome uh, obviously to those of you watching also um Welcome, uh, our guest today, Mr. Tommy Phillips. Uh, What we're doing today is we are live here on Facebook on the This Is Bracket Racing page. So if you are watching, uh, welcome. Uh, At the same time, we're recording and this is going up on the uh, Sportsman Drag Racing podcast feed as well. So if you are listening, uh, welcome either way. And uh, again, I want to introduce a longtime friend of mine, guy that I have uh, uh, looked up to, has been a mentor mentor of sorts uh, to me over the years, and uh, just delighted to have him on. I'm, uh, I've been looking forward to this all week. Mr. Tommy Phillips, what's happening, TP?
1: Uh, good morning, Luke. Uh, just a little bit of work and trying to, <laughs> trying to avoid the craziness, that's all. Man. Trying
0: to juggle a little bit. Good to see you. Yeah, man, you too. Um, obviously, the the point of this is to uh, to create a little bit of a, a distraction and have some fun with story time. But just on a on a personal level, uh, tell us where you're at. How is uh, how is COVID nineteen affecting you and your family and your business?
1: Well, uh, we've been fortunate so far with my family, albeit my wife is a nurse practitioner and my daughter is a, a, is an RN. So. They, they're on the front lines every day. So the stuff you see about, you know, on the news about the shortages of masks and, and uh, ventilators and all this sort of stuff, of course, that worries me every day because they're, uh, they're there every day fighting it or close to every day. You know, there's a shortage. There's, there's always a shortage, but now there's really a shortage of, you know, people they can get to come to the hospital and because of the risk. And so they're basically asking them, you know, to, to expand their, shifts and work a little bit long they already work 12 hour shifts but i think now they're working 13 and a half or 14 hours and and instead of working three or four shifts a week they're working five or shifts a week five or six shifts a week so so they're working pretty hard but um you know they they, they uh they're not new to the game so they're they wear their ppe and and use all the precautions they can and you know i, I would only say it you know, worries me more than anything but at the end of the day my wife is like look you know it's it's Problem is somebody has to help take care of these people, and you know that's what I signed up to do. So that's what I'm doing. Kind of admire her for that, honestly.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And thanks to to her, to them, to all of the healthcare workers out on the front lines. Like we're, I don't know, I I've got more margin in my life, like almost more free time for this, that in in some odd ways has been nice. But there's a lot of people that don't have that freedom whatsoever. So shouts to them. They're definitely uh. Uh, looking out for all of us. Yeah, uh, so, uh, the reason, obviously, for for having Tommy on today, and and what we wanted to to get into, was we know a lot of you are, are just like me, uh, have a little bit more free time on your hands right now, and mm-hmm. we're doing our best to kind of fill that gap with something fun, something entertaining, something positive linked to this passion that we all share for racing, you know, kind of bring it back to the forefront because it's definitely lurking in the background these days and just, I don't know, hopefully something to help you get through the day. So what we're going to do going forward, and this is the, the first of these types of, of conversations, is uh, once a week, in addition to our our typical weekly podcast, in addition to everything um, that we've been doing here on This Is Bracket Racing and within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, I wanted to have on uh, and and welcome to interview a a mover, a shaker, um, a a rock star in our sport. Um, Not so much like as an instructional time, not as a lesson, but just basically like story time like let's let's back this up and let's have a little bit of fun and this one she reached out to tommy about this a couple of days ago because this is an awesome story so to kind of set this up tommy let's go back i don't remember this like 1997 1998 if memory serves but just kind of set the background a little bit you're at that time you're in your what mid to late 20s like what did your life look like leading up to this this event
1: well, I think I was probably the typical 20, and I th- I think this would have been, I believe this would have been 1997, uh, and uh, so I think I was the typical 27-year-old, as you know, I I didn't uh, I spent every dime I had, and then probably whatever I could put on a credit card to to go to the next race, you know, and so but I had a passion for it, and and I, by this time I had already decided uh, that I'd already passed on. I was two years past the decision of. Going on to law school, I had graduated from college and uh, and was planning on going to law school, you know, right after that. And I chose to chose that I, I really wanted to go race and I wanted to make my living in the motorsports world, some form or fashion. And, and I wanted to go race. So I was a I was just getting really started on that, and uh, had partnered up with uh, with Nathan Martin uh, and and was working there at Cameron Race Cars at the time. A lot of people probably these days may not remember those cars, but they they were, uh, you know, Nathan built some really fine race cars back then. And I, I drove them and sold them. And I mean, you worked there as well and as a very young man at that time. And so that, you know, life was really, I could tell a lot of things about it, but life was really just about racing and figuring out, you know, how I could make an extra dollar to go to the next race and how I could, you know, have a little bit faster engine or, or, you know, a little bit longer trailer, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, it, uh, looking back at, you know, at the time, it seemed like, man, I'm broke all the time. And, um, you know, you just don't know if you're going to make it. And now looking back, I'm 49 now. So now I look back at that and think, wow, what a terrific time in my life. Really just didn't feel like it at the time, but it was really a terrific time. And I was just kind of getting going. I was just finding my way and, and doing everything wrong. Um, on how to make a living i was still was under the um crazy idea that i was such a good driver i was going to win enough money to to be a millionaire driving a race car and so i was still figuring out there was a whole lot more to the game than that if i truly wanted to make a living and not just go have fun driving a car so that was really tp's life at age 27 to be honest with you
0: uh, it sounds so familiar like and i and i got to watch you as a guide and then i lived all the same mistakes but it's just like you like i I, when i look back i wouldn't change a thing um okay so i tell this story quite a bit like we we've prefaced this some and i always tell it like i inflate my role in this like i didn't have much at all to do with this but i did get to see it probably 60 70 percent of it like first person so i know that it's true right but if you just told me this in passing, I feel like that's one of those things that is just way blown out of proportion. Like there's no way that that could have happened. So, <laughs> with that in mind, take me back. I think anyway, unless there's something that you want to uh, preface it with, I think this starts on a Saturday night at the Texas Motorplex, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, and and actually, that that particular car was brand new. We we had it was only about two weeks old and and I was, this was the beginning of, I was really going out on a limb, and and uh, I had acquired just a little bit of sponsorship, and I was ready to really start moving forward, and so I'd gone to the Texas Motorplex on a Saturday night. At that time, I don't, I don't think they have this anymore, but they had a, an actual a 790, heads up 790 uh, class that, uh, not not in NHRA, but some of the local tracks, and At that time, the Motorplex bracket raced quarter mile every weekend, and so they had one of these events, and so I took my new dragster out there, and really what I was going for, really more than anything, was to test and make sure my car was okay, and because on Monday morning, I was uh, loading up my half-ton pickup and my 26-foot tag trailer, and which was about everything I owned in the world back then, and I was heading to Seattle, Washington for the national event, which I had never been there before, and I'd never traveled that far I, you know can't, Topeka Kansas was about as far as I'd ever been and um, but we'd got a little sponsorship and it was time to start trying to you know make some appearances so anyway I'd gone out there and and as the typical 27 year old you know I made my first time run and I don't really remember when I went but you know we, we didn't have a race pack and all that back then so your time slip was your your data. And I, it, I it went you know I don't know maybe I went 887 or something and ran about what I thought and it did what it and I was like okay well uh, we're through testing now so I, I'm gonna go get in that 790 thing I want to race you know and so I got in that and uh, and we raced and got to the semifinals and um, in the semifinals there, now back this would have been at the very advent of I don't I think right about now is when Kirk, uh Damron undercover chassis first, started building undercover cars and there probably wasn't a dozen in the entire country at that time. So my car was a solid car. It was a, a car that Nathan built. It was about the third one I'd had. Fantastic cars. And uh, so, you know, I was racing and I went down to the finish line there and had a little bit of room there and just got a little, whoops, we don't need that. Sorry guys uh, and ladies. Um, and got a little aggressive at the finish line and um those who may not know the motorplex still to this day has a little transition point there that's about a foot and a half wide that where it goes from concrete which the racetrack is all concrete to asphalt and you know as throughout the summer the hot and you know going from cold to hot and all that it would it would kind of sink in and there'd be a pretty good we'll call it a bump but really it was a dip you know and just happened to be on the brake pedal at just the time as we went through the finish line and it unsettled the car and Without getting into detail, I, you know, uh, hit both walls and destroyed my car, you know. Um, But by gosh, I did win the ramp. So (laughs) Um, definitely thinks that that might qualify as a definitely won, but you lost deal. And uh, but anyway, destroyed the car and um, um, really was not anything salvageable on it. Um, Maybe I I think we might have saved maybe the delay box and a few pieces and whatever, but uh, didn't even use pardon me, didn't even use the engine or anything for the, for the next car. And, uh, you know, precautionary, I was fine, but they, you know, toted me off to the, to the, uh, hospital and, you know, I had a concussion and whatever, but I was fine. Um, interesting side note here that has nothing to do with the story. So I had been, I was not married at that time. Um, uh, but I'd been dating my wife for a couple of years and, uh, and just all but begged her to come to a race and, and, uh, she's a little bit of a scaredy cat and, uh, So she never would come. She's like, ah, just some where it scares me to watch. And well, that was the first time I'd ever drug her to a race. So, uh, so that uh, that was a struggle um, to ever get her back. It was five years later before I got her to another racetrack. So um, that that's the gist of how the story starts. I didn't know if you wanted to add anything to that.
0: No, no. I mean, like I say, from a personal standpoint, like I'm. This is 1997. So I'm 16 years old. I, I, in high school, like I basically sweat the floors that came in race cars. So I was close to this. Right. And like I say, when I tell the story now, I, I, I take credit for being a little bit more involved than I was, but if memory serves, like, you know, obviously this is a shock to the system. And like Sunday was just kind of a day to recover, make sure that you're healthy. And, and uh, the, the process of kind of rebuilding didn't really even start till Monday or it wasn't even a thought. Is that, is that accurate?
1: yeah well um so that particular night nathan wasn't there at the track um and so i you know a friend of mine frank kahotek a lot of people probably know him he was there with me and uh so they towed me off to the you know hospital and he he gathered up all what was left of my junk which is really what it was at that point and put in my trailer and he took it all home for me and uh, you know they released me about one or two in the morning and and uh my wife or my girlfriend at the time came and she took me home and no, you know, I would say Sunday morning, you know, you, I was pretty sore. And really I was more depressed than anything. Cause honestly, um, that was really everything I owned Not, no joking around. Um, I was pretty young and I didn't have a lot of money and, and that was everything in the world I had. It, it was the first brand new car that I'd ever built and, and had and was mine. And, um, so at that point, I really, you know, I laid in bed for a while just thinking, well, I, I guess I'll start looking at the classifieds tomorrow and see where I'm going to go to work because this is, this is the, evidently the end of my racing career. So, um, you know, Nathan called me that next day, that Sunday at noon and, um, said, Hey, why don't you bring it over here and let's look at it. And I know we said what happened, let's make sure there wasn't a failure of some kind. And, you know, that worries me. And, I'd, you know, like to know you're okay. And da, da, da. so anyway, we went up there and he and I were kind of messing with it and, you know, taking parts off of it and, you know, getting it ready for the scrap heap, really, uh, the chassis part of it. And, and, uh, Nathan's uh, dad, uh, Roger Martin, um, he came up there later in the day and, you know, looking around and whatever. And, and he is actually the one who came up with the nonsense idea that, um, well, you know, you, you, you had bought an engine a while back and I had, I'd bought an engine. I was going to have a spare engine and it literally like two weeks before this, it had got uh, finished and dynoed and um, I'd went and picked it up from at that time, Lewis Boyd and um, brought it home. And it was, it was sitting there in Nathan's shop and, you know, covered up. And he's like, well, you know, you have an engine and um, you know, you have a spare transmission and, and I'm like, yeah, but we don't have a car. <laughs> and so, and Roger said, well, I think you guys could build a car, you know, um, pretty quickly. And so long story short, um, we went ahead and tore that car apart. And by the end of the day, we had all what was left of it, anything good piled in a corner and chopped it up and put it out back. And uh, and uh, Monday morning, early Monday morning, about 6.30, you know, Roger uh, Martin called me and said, hey, I, I want to I help you, you know, put your car together, which I'm going to go ahead and just tell the whole truth here. That meant I'm going to pay for your new car because that's really what turned out happening. Um, I I could not have done that at that time. There's just no way. Um, cars didn't cost what they cost now, but they were still a lot of money, you know? And so, so we, um, kind of worked on it. And he said, look, you can, you know, you can, you can pay me, uh, back when you can, or when you win something or whatever, but I, I want to, I want you to get back out there and, and uh, Keep on with your, you know, your dream and what you want to do, and uh, so I went back up there Monday morning, and Nathan said, "Hey, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna try to get this thing done pretty quick." And Roger, the the at the time the the only real business person of the three of us, you know, said, uh, "I want you guys to have this at Kennedale Saturday night," um, and we're not talking about a week from this is Monday, on so we have you know, and we just looked at him like he was crazy, you know, and
0: it's not like there was a there was a chassis done on the jig oh yeah no
1: no (laughs) nothing was started we didn't have one in progress we didn't have a customer car that we could you know use and replace i mean we had a bunch of tubing on the shelf you know and uh i i took at the time i had a little gas motor home and um i drove it up there and i slept there every day and and nathan did too nathan didn't live but about 30 minutes away but he, he stayed motorhome as well and we basically worked about 20 hours a day uh, you were there for probably 10 hours a day of it at least um, and and we started building a car and i want to say by wednesday we uh had the chassis built and uh got with our powder coater at the time and uh told him the situation and he said man i'll i'll have it back to you tonight and he powder coated and got it back and we started assembling it and then I would say Saturday morning at about uh, noon, 11 o'clock, maybe noon, um, we started this stupid thing. Powder-coated, wired, plumbed, assembled, and uh, and running in the shop. And we were obviously late to get to the track, but uh, we rolled into uh, Texas Raceway um hour or so from his shop and uh, unloaded and had missed all the time trials. but. Uh, Racing hadn't started, so they gave us a time run and uh, made a time run, went right down the racetrack and said, okay, what do we dial first round? You know, craziness, pure craziness.
0: So literally from Monday morning on the tubing rack to Saturday afternoon in competition.
1: That's great. That is a true story, and I'm glad that you were there to see it because – a lot of people would say, yeah, that guy was really good, but he's old and he has forgotten too much stuff. <laughs> uh, Luke was there to see it, it really happened. Uh, and I look back, sometimes we laugh about it or talk about that story and I honestly can't even believe we were able to do it or it happened. You know, Obviously the contributing factor was you had two young men that had nothing to do in life and making no financial progress at all. So we had nothing to do. We had 20 hours a day dedicated to us. You know, we we had two and a half weeks worth of time uh, to crunch into those five or six days. And that's what we did. And um, it's a pretty incredible story, honestly.
0: (laughs) It is. I I remember like, again, I was 16 years old. So you guys rightfully didn't trust me with much anything but sweeping the floor. I remember coming in on. I don't know if it was Sunday morning or Monday and it just looked like a bomb went off right from the time that I had left Friday night or whenever. And uh but I do remember like the one thing that you trusted me to do was to put the freaking like the uh oil pressure lines into the gauge and I remember getting cussed out after that one time trial at uh, at Texas Raceway because your pants were covered in oil. Like the one thing that you guys let me do I, I didn't manage to do. But yeah, if that remember is, that's
1: true story, yes. <laughs>
0: If memory serves, um, that wasn't like the end of the story. The night actually ended well, right? Or am I giving uh,
1: you too much credit? Yeah, yes, it did. It, 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 as fate would have it, you know. Obviously, the good Lord was involved from day one. <laughs> from the time I hit the first wall and flew across the track and hit the other one, but but uh, yeah, so we uh, took all the body panels off and drained the oil out of the inside of the car and wiped all my fire pants off and you know that certainly at that point wasn't going to be any kind of deterrent you know and just kind of looked at me and looked at the car and said well I lost a half a quart oil so we put a half a quart of oil in it and and rolled up there for first round and and again uh just good fortune good lord looking after me as he always has and oh I don't know six or seven hours later we were standing in the winter circle and and uh and won that night at a track where it was very, very difficult to win at that time. And uh, just couldn't really believe it, really. It was amazing that we even rolled through the gate. Had no thought of, if we just made a run or two and knew the car was okay, I think we were going to be happy. And uh, but yeah, about about eight rounds later, because back in those days, 100 cars in Super Pro was standard. and So there's probably 130 or 40 cars. And at the end of the night, we were the last one, kind of crazy.
0: No, that's, that's the icing on the cake for the story, for sure. Do you think, like, looking back now, do you think, like, the the emotion, the marathon, and, like, it's got to feel like a victory just to kind of roll into the water? Did that take away some of, just because having, having crashed on a really small scale, I know the next time I staged is, like, the eeriest feeling in the world. Like, I wonder if some of that was dissipated just because of the, the rush of making all of that happen and actually getting the car done.
1: Yeah, I think no question. Um, for sure. Back at that time, you know, I was, it was right at the finish line. It, my time slip on the run, I I think I went seven ninety one something and it's about just right at 180 miles an hour. Whenever, whenever I was, could have been a lot worse than it was, but it, it, uh, it was pretty, it, I mean, I don't know really how to say it other than to say it it was, it was pretty scary at at the time, you know, when you go through it and, uh, so I do think during the week and possibly I, th- I don't think it ever really crossed my mind when it when I started to think about it was on the drive out to the racetrack. Um, when you're leaving the shop there, that's about a I don't know maybe a 35 or 45 minute drive over to Texas Raceway, and uh, that's when I really thought about it, you know, because we we just went in Nathan's truck and and I, so I was you know, I wasn't even driving the truck I was just riding you just think about it and it's kind of registered that uh, okay we're like we're really going to do this this is going to happen you know and uh, I thought about it a little bit then but truthfully as has happened so many times in my racing career is honestly once I put my helmet on and you know you just get locked into that that mode of of, of what you do and your routine and and uh it it never really crossed my mind once I was sitting in the car, but I did think about it driving out. There's some apprehension there and what if, and, you know, hey, might not be so lucky last time. I'm not, I don't, you know, hope everything's okay. Did I get Did I get that tight? Did I get this tight? Hey, did Luke get that oil line tight? Um, <laughs> I probably didn't think that, but I did have some apprehension as the answer to your question, yes. But once I was four or five pair back and I put my helmet on, I really don't remember thinking anything about it. I really don't and then, and then of course when you make that first run and, right. and you get back to the trailer, you just you almost let out a breath like a week-long breath it felt like and uh, and I ended up really and truly other than respect for the fact of what can happen in a race car, you know for the next twenty five years or or whatever it was, um, I didn't really think much about. Um, you know, being scared or afraid, uh, but I, I, well, I probably did have a healthier respect for what could happen in a car and and all that kind of stuff, you know.
0: Every time that I think back on that story, I just think of the thrash, and then obviously the not only getting to Kennedale, but but winning the race, like, just pretty incredible, I'm, I, but I don't really remember, like, did you continue on? Did you end up going to Seattle like you had
1: planned, or no, do you remember what no, happened after that? That, yeah. that weekend, actually what it was. The oh, okay. battle. So, mm-hmm. um, so no, we, uh, oddly enough, funny story, that particular car, um, went on to some crazy, um, uh, you know, I only had it about, I only had it the rest of the year, which was about five months back then, you know, we, we, we rotated out a car. I, I don't think I started a year and ended a year with the same car for, I don't know, probably till the mid to late 2000s you know we were just always uh, we're in the business of selling cars and that sort of stuff and so i just never had the same car very long and i only had that one about five or six months but and i and this this far removed from it, i don't remember what all it was but that particular car we i went on to win all kinds of races with that thing and uh i won, won a divisional event with it won a national event with it Won half a dozen big bracket races with it all in about a four or five month period. And so we always laughed, Nathan and I for the longest time laughed and said, hey, you know, the, the, we always called it the crash car. Obviously it wasn't, but um, that was probably the most successful car he ever owned, you know, kind of odd story, but
0: do you uh, do you remember much about like what you were what you guys were able to salvage off of the crash car? I know you said delay box and a handful of small things. Obviously, you changed motor and transmission. I'm just wondering what else would have been, what else would have made that process easier? Because it seems like you guys made basically everything from scratch or took it all out of the parts room.
1: Yeah, the problem was there probably was more good than we we knew about, but the issue was we didn't have time to see if the axles were bent or or the rear end housing was straight, or, you know, just didn't have time if we were really going to try to have it ready that next week. And so other than the fact that we could hook 12 volts to the delay box and make it function and go, okay, it's fine. And hey, the, this gauge and that gauge is not ripped apart and stuff like that. We, we really, you know, didn't use spindles because you're thinking, well, they look okay, but you know since the front wheel is torn completely off of it surely there's probably something wrong with the spindle we just and did that did that cause a problem with the rack is there something in there that could be wrong and so really out of caution and and much to the chagrin of roger martin's checkbook we just got all new stuff
0: (laughs) i distinctly remember like at the beginning of this peggy having a really detailed like you know we're going to notate everything that comes out of the part room parts room and by like thursday just hands up in the air i give up
1: (laughs) i think as a you know for those who don't know peggy is nathan martin's mother and uh you know she was she was always the one trying to keep everything straight And, and honestly we tried to do that but that week you know she had to sleep at some point and you know that's when it all went to heck you know what i mean she came in the next morning is like oh my gosh like what did you write anything down did you log anything and we we're like uh no <laughs> so uh car. <laughs> but i promise you that monday morning after the the new car was finished and we all came to work the, as you probably recall the shop was every bit as much of a disaster as the day we brought the crash car in. so
0: it was worse. It was definitely worse. <laughs> but, um, and if memory serves, I think that race uh, that, that you won was like a $2,500 win race, which today seems like a regular Saturday night, but those happen like once a month. That was a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah. Back then that was, you know, Texas Raceway had their once a month big race and it was 2500 to win. And And honestly, other than one or two races across the whole country during the year, there really weren't, you know, we had the, the, what what we called at the time, the Moroso races in West Palm, um, at the end of the year and, and Orlando preceding the week of that. And there probably were one or two others that I just don't remember, but really and truly the, you know, the big bracket races like we have today, we didn't have that back then, you know, 5,000 to win race was a huge, huge race. And, uh, so that was their yeah, it was their, their monthly Saturday night, 2,500 to win. And, You know the weird thing about that place was that they probably got like three extra cars because they had 120 or 30 every Saturday night for 800 bucks or a thousand or whatever we ran for. It was it was crazy and some of the best competition ever there. So it was it was quite the quite the accomplishment really, but really the story is better than anything. And and now as a young man, of course, I didn't realize this, but as time went by, you, you and I have done lots of schools together and lots of races together and done things together and and what you really look back on and go holy cow um wow what a good group of people you know what i mean because i couldn't i mean honestly hopefully roger martin's not watching this today because i I probably still owe him money on that car i mean honestly so (laughs) um he no way uh nathan and i together probably didn't have enough money to buy a third of the parts that were going to go on it much less everything as far as building it and and, and oh, by the way, the shop was just shut completely down at the time. If you had a car being built, you I mean it, it just got put back a week.
0: Sorry for and your luck. So, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so you know, um, for uh, you know, Roger and Peggy were tremendous. Well, they were the reason we were even able, able to think about doing
0: that. Sure. Sure. No, it. Uh, like I say when you look back on it, like it's literally like forget. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a week from crash to 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 victory. But in reality, I mean, it's like 120 hours from the it's on the tubing rack to it's in the winter circle. Like, you just couldn't fathom that. It it was, its I mean, it, it's, I don't even think it's realistic today because I feel like cars are a little bit more complicated, but like, it was incredible 20 years ago. Like, it's just nuts um, to even think about along those lines, I, I'll, since I've got you here, Story time, and we'll just we'll just throw one more in there for for the fun of it. Do you remember speaking of that group? I think it was just you, me, Nathan, and Melvin Goss riding to the PRI show in Roger's motorhome. And uh, I've if I was like 15 16 it might have been the same year. But we, um, I think we were delivering. If memory serves, we were delivering cars to. I think it was Nick Folk and Scotty Haas getting them new chassis taking them up there and we got about to Little Rock obviously we're driving Texas to Indianapolis and if I I have this picture in my head it might have been built up over the years but I think that we are in like construction going up a mountain and the or a a hill we're in Arkansas let's be completely honest and the the um, like the foot feed or the the throttle sensor went out to the pedal you remember this?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> we're literally going like one or two mile an hour at idle up this hill pulling a trailer. Might not even been able to do that. So I think you were driving. Nathan, it's a, it was a diesel pusher, like one of the first diesel pushers I'd ever been in or, or seen. And Nathan raises up the bed and is working the throttle manually. And you're just yelling, slow down, speak up, right? And we managed to get to like a Walmart parking lot somewhere. And we're walking around Walmart trying to figure out what on earth we're going to do. And as it ends up, we buy, like it's not, I don't even know what you'd call like those, those plastic coated cable. Like we found one that's 30 feet long or something like that and end up hooking it to the throttle body and you're literally riding down the road pulling the cable because we're not giving up, right? We're going to Indy. And then we probably, I think you did that for probably an hour plus. And, and I, if our memory serves, it was Melvin got the bright idea. Like, Hey, I'm going to hook this to the armrest. And it took us probably half an hour of, of adjustment, but we ended up, we had cruise control. We put the armrest in.
1: Yes, that's a, that's a true story. And uh, <laughs> the wonder that Roger ever let us use anything. You know, <laughs> uh, Roger Martin, it's his, I don't know back then, but, Probably even back then, I don't know, $100,000 motorhome probably, probably was all of three or four months old, you know, I, I, I mean, it, and so yeah, we had the, uh, we had cruise control to the armrest, which at that moment happened to be unbelievably exciting because the whole yelling back and forth thing just was not working very well for us, you know, and uh uh, not to mention anybody, nobody can sleep because the bed's up in the air. Cause we're, you know, working on the engine while we're driving down the road. So, uh, yeah, that was, um, that was quite the story that, that would have been, uh, that might've been the same year. I really don't remember that. It would have been within a year or two, one way or the other, but, uh, but yeah, so craziness. And, um, I look back at, I, I, so obviously I'm still, uh, friends with Nathan, um, today and, uh, we've been friends really since the day we met and, uh, and we laugh sometimes. We eat lunch once in a while. We just laugh. And I just think, man, your dad, like, can you believe he didn't just kick us to the curb and take everything away? I mean, you just, some of the stories and that you, we traveled a lot together and, you know, we, we, we went to a division race in Florida one time and, and called, I don't know, we were 200 miles from Gainesville and, and blew the transmission up in his, I don't know, two year old Ford Dually, you know, and, and so, I think we spent about a $1,000 getting it towed to the racetrack because, again, I mean, we're going to the race. So, whatever we got to do to do that.
0: That's what we came well, for. Right.
1: You know, between Nathan and I both, we probably had the entry fee money and an extra $100 last the whole week, you know. So, we're like, what do we do, you know. And and interestingly enough, the the uh, driver, the uh, record driver that t- just hooked onto the dually in this 42-foot trailer and just took us all the way. That guy actually ended up being a super gas racer, oddly enough, and we talked to him for years to come, but and then he hauled the truck to the dealership, and I don't know, it was going to be two or three weeks and, you know, five grand or something. I, I don't remember exactly, but what I do remember is on Friday morning, Roger and Peggy had to fly to Gainesville, Florida, and, and while we spent the day making time trials or qualifying runs, they went to town and traded their Two month or two year old truck in and had to buy a brand new dually so we could get home, and uh, you just look back at some of that and think, well, I, I can't believe it, we're lucky he even still speaks to either one of us. <laughs> so.
0: oh, gosh, good stuff. It brings back some good memories, and I can only imagine, like I say, at the at the age that I was, it's uh, I can tell it's making you smile just to uh, to recollect good good times well. for sure.
1: You know, at the time, you're mad because you get there late and you miss the first time trial. You know what I mean? You don't. You just don't have perspective at the moment for one thing, and at the age for the other. And then as time goes by, and you you figure out all this stuff is is uh, you know part of what you know makes it worth doing. Honestly, you don't think that at the time, but uh, looking back, you know, I've been I don't get to race a whole lot these days. you know, three or four times a year about the most I can get away now just with business and everything. But uh, but I'm still friends with almost everybody I've always been friends with. And so I talk to them all and just really, and you look back, yeah, you talk about once in a while, this race you won or that race you won. But what you really talk about, and what you have a good time with are the things that happen along the way and all the craziness. And uh, can you believe we did that? You know, and uh, didn't get that when I was 25 or 30 years old, but get it now. Yep, yeah, yeah, for sure,
0: Tommy. Uh, thank you for taking some time out of your day to uh, to share that. I enjoyed it. I assume that uh, our, our listeners and viewers did the same. Um, so, man, I appreciate you.
1: Oh, enjoyed that, enjoyed being here, and uh, glad to see you doing well. No, we don't get to see each other as much as we used to, but uh, I, I enjoy visiting with you and your folks. And it looks like your business is doing well, and you, uh, it looks like you're making really contributing to people's race programs, and, and a lot more people are, are more competitive because of your, you know, your help to do so. I'm glad to see that. The, I know we get caught up in, I don't want Luke to, to win because I want to win and that kind of stuff, and you know that's part of the competitiveness of the deal, but the reality of it is the, the more interested people we have and the better quality racers we have, uh, the healthier our sport is, and that's good for all of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. Well said. Um, Thanks Tommy. And thanks to all of you, uh, whether you're watching, whether you're listening, uh, appreciate you uh, spending some time here with us. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully it's been uh, if nothing else, a pleasant uh, distraction. We'll be back soon until then uh, stay safe, stay healthy, um, be responsible, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Um, Stay isolated because in doing so, like you're not, to stay isolated to the best that you can, you know, in, in your situation. So in doing so, like, you're not only looking out for yourself and your family, you're looking out for everybody, you know I mean? The, the community at large, and I think it goes further than that. So keep the faith. We are all in this together and we're going to get through this together. Thanks again, Tommy. Thanks Thanks, again to you. Yeah.
1: I want to say one other thing too, real quick. If Roger Martin calls me after this call and says I owe him five grand, you're in for half. So just so you know.
0: Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I, I, was, I was actually going to say I'll shoot him a text, but I think I won't. <laughs>
1: okay. Have a good day, man. Take care, everyone. Thanks, everybody.
0: Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com.